Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy Thursday at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Welcome to Out on the Lanai, the only Golden Girls podcast you're ever going to need to listen to. I am H. Allen Scott slash Sadie Pines. And I'm Carrie Doherty. And this is a podcast where we used to watch an episode of the Golden Girls and then talk about it, but we ran out of episodes. <laughs> then we broke down all 24 episodes of the spinoff, The Golden Palace. But guess what? We ran out of those episodes, too. We are so accomplished. So now <laughs> we do whatever the hell we want to do. And Carrie, what the hell are we doing today? Oh, boy, challenge. So today we are doing another episode of Beyond Golden Girls, which is where we cover the many film and TV projects that B, Betty, Rue, and Estelle did after the golden girls and today oh we are oh starting with a boy. with a gold star moment of the girls beyond moments oh boy today we're talking about b arthur's unforgettable guest star appearance on mm. malcolm in the middle in the year yeah. 2000 and her last emmy nomination so yes she was nominated for an emmy for outstanding guest actress in the comedy series you know who beat her Yes, I know who beat her because I love her. Jean Smart for Frasier, who won two years in a row, 2000 and 2001. Both for Frasier? And yes, both for Frasier. And I got to admit, I mean, I got to admit, I love my, you know, I love B and I would give B every single Emmy she could. But Jean Smart was really good on those episodes of Frasier, mm-hmm. like really good. <laughs> if anybody knows them, it's someone who has a cat named Frasier. I mean, I know these things. <laughs> you know, you know who else was nominated that year for Outstanding Guest Actress in a Comedy Series? Yes, I do. But I don't want to embarrass myself. But you can please. I know Debbie Reynolds was nominated. I know yes. Was nominated. Debbie Reynolds and Will and Grace. Yes. Debbie Reynolds, a.k.a. Uh, Golden Girls VIP. That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Wait, who else was nominated that year? Was an SNL lady was nominated too. Sherry O'Terry was yes. nominated yes. Um, for... Does that, does that give you a clue? Was it just Shoot Me? I'm trying to remember what Sherry O'Terry was nominated for. I, it might have been Just Shoot. It probably was Just Shoot Me. Um, NBC, Just Shoot Me, right? Yeah, NBC's Just Shoot Me, I think. Anyway, like the weird thing about me is that you know I am obsessive over award shows I love yes award shows and I love especially like weird categories in award shows and the guest actor and actress categories are some of my favorite categories at the primetime Emmy Awards they are a grab bag of who the fuck thought this was gonna happen like Mm -hmm. literally it is my favorite category and I love that I mean, I don't love that this is la- this is B. Arthur's last Emmy nomination because I wanted her to live for years and have many more Emmy nominations. But if she had to get a last nomination, I'm glad it was for this performance because it is so good. And so many of you listening messaged us and were like, you got to cover Malcolm in the Middle. you got to cover him. And you had never seen it, right? So, yeah. So here's my history with Malcolm in the Middle. Um, I know I know Malcolm in the Middle because... I I know Malcolm in the Middle because I know that it was the first single camera comedy. Uh, It broke. It completely broke away from the tradition. It wasn't the first single cam. Because if you go back to the early 90s on HBO, there was a show called Dream On. Yes. And that was a single camera show. Wow. Dream On. Okay. So then this was the first network single camera comedy because it was on Fox. Um, So, you know, it actually, that's not true either. So um, (laughs) Bonnie Hunt, 
Bonnie Hunt did, and there's so many versions of her sitcoms. Bonnie Hunt did a show in the mid nineties about a newscaster who was sort of like on the street and it was sort of an improv type show and it was a single camera as well. Sorry. Okay. To burst your bubble. So, <laughs> so Malcolm in the Middle was the first single camera comedy on Fox. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> it was the first one to really be prominent, to really sort of like. Yeah, it was like, very well, successful. It was. And the first, I mean, I have to say, one of the things I always thought about Malcolm in the Middle, and well, okay, before we get into anything, I do have to give a shout out. And there's something I want to say about Malcolm in the Middle. But this weekend, I did a gig at, you know, S80 somewhere. And someone came up to me. His name's Brian. I think I called him Ryan. And he was like, it's Brian with a B. And I was like, Brian. So now it's, that's melted in my head. And he said that he found us during the pandemic. And he really enjoys the podcast. And so I want to give Brian. him a little shout out. And I, I, I don't think he took a picture with Sadie, which, you know, next time take a picture. I thought what you were going to say is you were doing a show the other night and someone came up to you and they were a fan of the podcast and it was Frankie Muniz. <laughs> oh my God, I would die. I would die. But no, Malcolm in the Middle, I always, I always thought of Malcolm in the Middle as it's high camp. It is a campy show. And it's kind of like a live action version of The Simpsons. If yeah. the mother was Homer. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> because like uh, Jane... Jane Kaczmarek is Thank so you. good. She is so, per she was nominated every single year the show was on the air. She was the standout performer. The show, I think, originally was about, Mal it always was about Malcolm, but like her character was the force that drove the show. Everything about her, just like, just like in a real family, the mother is often the force that drives everything. And Jane's character was really that. And she, it is kind of like Simpsons-like in that they're all kind of, high camp weird in their own special way you know mm -hmm. what i mean yeah it's, it's such a it's such an interesting show such an interesting dynamic and so absurd also the start of what made uh brian cranston really big mm -hmm. i mean breaking bad sent him over the edge and made him insanely huge and became an oscar nominee and all that shit but this was the one that like put him on the map yeah yeah absolutely um yeah i the show was like it, I was a little bit older. I was, I mean, you and I were the same age, but yeah. I, for some reason I never, I missed it. I only know it from the comeback. Exactly. Exactly. I never, yeah. I never watched it. Um, but I will say, I know like Stan watched it and really likes it. And so I have seen clips of it and stuff, you know, obviously it was very successful. It ran for seven seasons. Um, you know, it was recently, I don't even want to say spoofed because spoofed isn't the right word, but anybody who watched WandaVision, mm, when yeah. Wanda was going through the decades of the different, you know, shows and, you know, Wanda hit sort of like the sort of 90s, 2000s era, you know, Malcolm in the Middle was the show that they were clearly really like, is you know, basing that that look and that that yeah. vibe and that feel off of when they hit if that you decade. Watch the opening credits for this show, it will send you back to the early aughts in the mm -hmm. weirdest time machine watching it for this for for what we're doing today i was literally like this is so emblematic of early aughts television both the timing of even though this was so original because it was so different because there weren't really any other single yeah. camera shows on the air that were popular and this was it was just it was just very different and you see this formula that malcolm in the middle created replicated in different ways there was that patricia heaton show Ooh, where she was like the mom in a Midwest family. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'll look it up. You talk. And then I'll, no. I'll tell you the name. So, yeah, what I will say about Malcolm in the Middle is that, yeah, it paved the way for, um, you know, shows. I mean, a lot of single camera comedies, but even shows, I think of a show the like. Middle, um, the middle. Oh, it's The Middle. Oh, yeah, of course. I knew that. It ran for a gajillion years on ABC. Yeah. I knew that. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, the thing about Malcolm in the Middle that was like really impressive you know, at least this episode had three storylines. Yeah. Um, which that was something that was 30 Rock did. Oh, that was the season finale yeah. um, that we watched. Um, yeah. It, you know, they had three storylines. That's a lot to juggle. But again, that was something that like 30 Rock did. They would have three storylines. You know, it obviously mm -hmm. set up shows like, you know, The Office and Arrested Development, all these, yeah. you know, single camera shows that could be shot a little bit more cinematically. Um which I really appreciated. I will say, uh, so this, 
before we're not, we will get into the episode, but I just have to say, if you just watch the B. Arthur scenes in this episode and you skip the other two stories and you just watch these scenes, I want somebody to cut them together. Hmm. It, it, to me felt like a beautiful Oscar worthy short film. Yes. It was, it was so simple and beautiful. About a boy and his babysitter. I mean, we'll get into it, but it is, it was really, I only have one disappointment in it, but I'll I'll save that for when we talk about it. But it it was it was really beautiful, really poignant, and yeah. I, and that's also why I think why I feel really good that this was her last Emmy nomination because it 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 just was such a wonderful way to go out, especially in the first season. I mean, other the other the other character actresses. This this show became the show for character actor performers, mm-hmm. like guest starring on it. Cloris Leachman went on to win a ton of Emmys in the guest acting role for this series, like it became kind of like a a stopping place for like weird actors to go and do weird things on a funny TV show. And for her, B. Arthur, in the first season of a show, when when she shot this, this show probably was not an insane hit. It was probably... Yeah, I was going to ask if you had thoughts on maybe why B. Arthur did the show. I, well, I think B. Arthur probably just responded to the writing. And I remember if I, I could be wrong, but I feel like I saw an interview with her once talking about why she did Malcolm in the Middle and why she enjoyed it. And it had something to do with this sort of the dynamics of of sort of a weird family, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Just trying to get by. And and it it because these people were poor and were like just like, well, we'll get into the episode, but they they had to they had to really save money to be able to go on the excursion that they go on in this episode. And like it's uh it's a really there weren't a lot of television shows on TV that were about families like this in a post Roseanne world. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Roseanne in the late eighties, early nineties sort of cemented the working class family. But then in the late two thousands and early two thousand or the late nineties and early two thousands, that kind of got lost. And you had sitcoms like friends where they live in this ridiculous apartment and you're like, where is the money? Where are you? How are you buying all these things? Right. And to have a show about a family that was just sort of getting by it, it, it was really kind of different, but I don't think the show was an insane hit in the first year. I think it took the Emmy nominations that the show got after the first year when when TV audiences were like, or TV critics were like, this is a good show, people. You need to watch that. I think that's when the the, the numbers picked up a little bit after that first season, because it only got 16 episodes for the first season. If it was a hit, they would have done the full order of 23, 24. Yeah, well, that's what's tough too, is that, yeah, the show starts airing you know, after they've already made a certain amount. So by, you know, by that time, by the time, even if the show was seeing good numbers, you know, even midway through the airing of the season, you know, the networks already has a plan for like, okay, this is going to be a short season because we're going to introduce this other new show and see how that does. Like they already have all that planned out. So sometimes, you know, it's called the back nine, where sometimes mm-hmm. if your show is doing well enough, they'll order an additional, you know, and let you fill out the rest of the season. But maybe by that point, it just, it hadn't been on long enough. It just wasn't yeah. as hitting as hard as they wanted so, it to. So to have B. Arthur then be again, B. Arthur of someone of her caliber who was not doing that much acting at this point. I mean, no, she was, she was pretty much retired at this point. So when she did something, it was special. And for her to attach herself in the season finale episode that was such a pivotal part in this in this mm-hmm. episode, such a poignant part, and to add her name to the lineup of sort of valid- validating this, this mm-hmm. series in a way, I think it really went a long way. Maybe not for TV audiences, but I think for, critic, for, for critical acclaim of the show. For, right. for them seeing, oh, this Fox show, I think it was on Fox, right? Yeah, yeah it this, was. Mm-hmm. This Fox show which Fox has been established at that point, but really not insanely in the in the sitcom realm. And for this Fox show to get B. Arthur to guest star on it, mm-hmm. that's a big get. That's Huge a huge get. get. B. Yeah. Arthur only did two projects in the year 2000. She did this guest appearance, which honestly, she probably showed up. She showed up and worked for maybe three hours Um, that day you know that (laughs) she was oh it was so good um and she also she did a movie called enemies of laughter and those are the only two uh imdb credits she has for the year 2000 so and she doesn't have um but we what's that she doesn't have many after that uh no she does not have many after that this is one of her end i mean it was Pretty much the one thing I do love is that she did um, uh, the computer. I think it was the computer on Futurama and then mm-hmm. enthusiasm. And then that was it. So it's really only 
you know, a five-year window that she did a few few little things after this. It's really kind of sad. I know, but it's, but you know what? Let's not, let's, let's celebrate yes. her yeah. Emmy nominated worthy performance. Let's say we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to, we're going to get in and we're going to play some clips. Yay. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Back, back, okay. back again. All right. So let's talk about this episode of Malcolm in the Middle. This is season one, episode 16, titled Water Park. It aired on May 21st, 2000. And according to IMDb, uh, the episode description is this. The family takes a day vacation at the water park, all except Dewey, who has to stay home with an overage babysitter, which turns out to be more fun than expected. While Malcolm and Reese get into a loop of revenge pranks, Hal and Lois try to enjoy the day off. As Dewey's babysitter hits the dance floor in more ways than one, the youngest member of the family sets off on his own. Uh, And this episode was directed by Ken Quapis, who is a very famous Uh director, directed a lot of episodes of The Office. Um, So... Should we so, talk a little bit about okay. the other storylines? Because the B one, I want to like focus all of our attention on, obviously. But like, I feel like we should give a little bit of a recap of what the others were doing in the episode because it is still funny. Sure. So the thing I loved about the so the water park story is basically that um, you know when you're a family and you don't have a lot of money, yeah. being able to afford just going to a water park, it's such a big deal and. <laughs> you know, Lois and Hal just want to have a good time. They just want to be able to like sit in like make out in the pool and relax. And I related to this so much. Alcohol in and like, yes. Yeah. I mean, I relate to it. I, yes, I completely related to this episode from personal experience. Yeah. Same, same. When, when I was growing up, you know, my friends, they were taking trips to Disneyland, Disney World, and like my, like we couldn't afford plane tickets or tickets to Disney when I was a kid. So we, every single year, our family vacation was taking a day trip up to New Hampshire to go to Santa's Village in oh, the summertime. Okay. I don't know if it's just because it's cheaper in the summertime, but they had rides and stuff. So I'm assuming, I don't know, but anyway. It was in New Hampshire and it was called Santa's Village. They had like a log ride. Oh, and it was all Christmas themed. And we'd go in the summertime and we would go for the day. And that was our family vacation every year. So anytime Lois gets upset because the kids are like the boys are misbehaving. I totally get that because, oh, my God, yeah, this is the family vacation. This is what we have scrimped and saved for. I had this I had this literal experience when so we too also were like a you know rather poor family and i remember one year this was before i kind of stopped talking to my dad but we and it was in between all the divorces that he was having and it was like an insane time in our family and uh he took us at the end of one of his marriages i forget which one now um to branson missouri and it's sort of like a vacation destination for missourians it's it's i always joke it's like a christian las vegas in the middle of the midwest and Mm -hmm. It's um, and it's a family place and you go and you have fun or whatever, but we could never afford to go to the shows, which is what I wanted to do. I always wanted to go see the shows, but we could never go to the shows. So he he had a fight with whatever stepmom it was and they were screaming and yelling and they we left. We just we got we got in his car and three, my, my three other brothers, we just got in the car. and We just left with him 
and he took us to a water park. And uh, we, of course, were like kind of like a like a swirl of emotions because we didn't know what was going on. There was all this fighting. Like we didn't know how to react to anything or to have fun or what to do. And I remember he turned around, and this is what reminded me so much of Lois in this episode. He turned around and he looked at all of us in the back seat and my older brother in the front seat. And he was like, I demand you to have fun. And it was just sort of like, he like I, I, I remember his like thick sausage finger in my face being like, I demand you to have fun. And that's the quote I remember. And it's like, I saw Lois in that. I see Lois in that because it, yeah. is, it is sort of like, he was so frustrated with all the, the bad things he was doing, but also just like, the stress of the moment that he was just like, go to the fucking water park and have fun and just get out of my hair. And it, it, and I hate, and the water park is gross. Oh my God. I hate water parks. They're so disgusting. And this show, this episode does a great job of showing just how gross they are. Yeah. Yeah. All the water park stuff was really fun. Um, I had to ask Stan also, like what's wild to me about, this television series we call Malcolm in the Middle is that the oldest brother like is on an island. He is, I I said to Stan, I was like, wait, every week would they do a story of him like away at like military school? And Stan was like, yeah, they, and I'm like, that's insane. That is insane. That is insane to have one of your main characters. You're going to do a story on every week complete like on an island and stan was like yeah i think sometimes he would like come home but but yeah he was just like at military school that is so incredibly wild and i mean him at military school also had um what's his name uh eric ninberger who like has been doing a bunch of stuff in recent years i've seen him in everything i'm not gonna lie i fast forwarded through that entire story i had no no. interest in watching it so it felt very random, but the water park stuff was cute and yes. fun. It'll get you the episode. But the heart of this is yes. Dewey and B. Arthur. So the reason that Dewey is home and needs a babysitter is because I guess he gets ear infections. So they're going to go to the water park without him, which I, I feel so bad for this feel, poor kid. But again, the parallels between this and The Simpsons, Dewey to me is Maggie, mm-hmm. you know, like Maggie going on one of her adventures and just like getting in all the trouble without anyone knowing that's that's Dewey to me. He's, he's Maggie. Yes. So, and I guess it turns out like they're having trouble finding a babysitter because the kids are absolute menaces and you see some funny quick pops of like them torturing their babysitters. Um, but finally the babysitting agency sends over a woman and there's this great reveal where she's oh my like, God. It's we, like we only see her. We only see her from behind. Yeah. And the camera like pushes in and she spins around and uh, her name is Mrs. White. This is the babysitter's name. And she spins around and it's this big reveal that it's B. Arthur. And Dewey says, do you want to play something? And there's this long beat and she just goes, no. And then the first scene is over. <laughs> I mean, it is. It is such a, it's a very much a Harold and Maude weird, like dynamics. Like you just, you don't expect these two. And then the image in the next shot or the next scene with them. It was so beautifully shot. It was so so beautifully beautifully shot. shot. You have, you know, this very tall, what, 5'10", 5'11", B. Arthur. Oh, B. Arthur is seven foot six, easy. And she's sitting on this couch, just looking straight ahead. And Dewey is this tiny little three foot, tiny little thing. Oh, he's two inches tall. Yeah. And it just, it's the, the juxtaposition between the two of them. just Sitting on there. opposite ends of the couch quietly. Yet so respectful of each other. Just, just being quiet. Can we, can we actually, I, we're going to play the next three scenes because, I mean, we're not going to play them back to back, but just, uh, and then I'm going to tell everybody, uh, listen to this podcast and then go, it's on Ulu, find the episode on Hulu and watch it because Hulu. it is, Hulu, it's, and just watch these scenes and fast forward and treat it like a short film. They're so beautiful. Um, but let's, let's, let's play this first scene. Can I watch TV? No. Can I play video games? No. What can I do? Something quiet. Quieter. 
I mean, just the fact that she wants peace and quiet. Like I, oh God. It's so perfect that, that him rolling his little car on that table yeah. was too noisy. And then she says quieter and he does like the cutest. He then he just like makes the car bounce in the air. I have to say like this child's acting is so yeah. natural and good. So yeah. many child actors would play those lines so big. Do th He's just so innocent and sweet. And that him, when he made that car float after yes. she said quieter, I laughed so hard all yeah. by myself. Yeah. Um, well, so, they both have, yeah. I mean, and I will say like, I don't know. I don't know if they wrote this for B. Arthur. I don't know how I am. I'm assuming they did, or they changed it at least when B. Arthur came aboard, but it suits her delivery style so well in that. So well. And what's so great about it is that this young actor is able to then volley off of Dor or B. Arthur, who he recognizes her sort of like tone and he just matches it in his own kind of childlike way. It's, it's, it's insane to watch, but it's very good. The timing too yeah. of these exchanges, there's so much air no between cuts. them. There's no cuts. There's no camera cuts. There's nothing like you're not seeing like them splice in the timing. No, this is the actor's timing. Yeah. I mean, there are camera cuts, but I agree with you that I don't think there were time cuts. Like yeah. they literally, it's like they're just cutting from shot to shot because yeah. the timing there's so much beautiful, funny well, just air. Even the angle of him doing the air car thing with her looming, looming literally yes. over him when she tells him to do it quieter. Oh, I mean, it's, it's so just, good. it's a perfect scene. It's, it's perfect. so great. It's so great. So, so yeah. So now we've, we've sort of established this relationship of like, she's the curmudgeon babysitter. He's the little boy who like just kind of wants to have a good time. Yeah. Um, so then we get to the next scene <laughs> where they're sorting buttons and like, why do old people always have so many buttons? Do they? Is that a thing? I don't think that's a thing. I, I think it's a thing. When I was it's... younger, I very vividly remember my mom had a friend named Mrs. Brown and we used to go to her house and she was this lovely, lovely older woman. And she always had little candy dishes with Reese's, peanut butter cups because i would always eat those Ooh, but wow. then there then I there was like always Mrs. brown there was always hard candy that you know had been there for like 20 years but not the reese's peanut butter cups those were new and i feel like i remember her having a lot of buttons and i would play See, with the buttons i don't remember any old person in my life having buttons i remember my mother who is older than me having a lot of buttons, but that's because she sews. And Michael here, who is younger than me, has a lot of buttons. So like, I don't know. I don't know if this holds up. Listeners, let us know in the comments. Do the old people in your life have a lot of buttons? Or Sound do off. just or do just people have buttons? I don't have any buttons. Okay. I can tell you that. Well, you don't need buttons because Michael has buttons. That's true. He has buttons for me. I do like, there is something fun about going to like a like a garment shop or like, you know, because I go with Michael some places and there are stores that just have an endless amount of options of buttons that you can like have a dramatic statement piece of a button or like, a, you know what I mean? Like there's mm -hmm. a lot of button options out there, people. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, again, we got to play this button scene of them sorting the buttons. It's so sweet. Oh, no, 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 no. First we sort by number of holes, then by color. What's in your mouth? Nothing. There are at least 20 things I will not tolerate, and lying is one of them. Spit it out. You're eating my buttons. I wasn't eating. I was saving. What are you, a hamster? What were you saving it for? I don't know. It's pretty. It's my favorite one. No. Actually, it's my favorite, too. What do you think of this one? So ugly. I hate it. So do I. Oh, you're a, you're a smart little boy. The fact that they were able to the bond over, which is what I love with friends, that whenever you meet someone who hates something the way you do or likes something the way you do, but almost more often hates 
because they bonded over hating something. And because the hate was what sealed the deal. And to me, that is the mark of like such a great friendship. When you, when you out of nowhere with someone, you're like, oh my God, you hate that too? Like, because you're supposed to like it or whatever. Other people like it. It looked like a pretty button. But no, they hated that button. And I loved that that's what sealed the deal. I know. It was so sweet. It was absolutely so sweet. And it, it made me think of like, I mean, you and I obviously became friends because we bonded over our love for the Golden Girls. Was yeah. there anything early on that we both discovered that we hated that we then just bonded yes. further about? Yes. And I, this is what I remember this distinctly because when we, the second meeting, so we had met at my birthday, as yes. has been told. And then we met at Starbucks in yes. WeHo, I believe, um, on, on Santa Monica. And we were talking about sort of what we like and what we don't like in podcasts. Now, keep in mind, this was the early days of podcasting. I mean, podcasting had been around for a few years, but like there weren't that many recap podcasts. There was maybe one with the was Saved by the Bell. Saved by the Bell, yeah. There weren't that many recap podcasts. And I had told you, I don't want to be a schmuck comedian. I don't want, I hate that. I hate people just getting on and talk and not having any direction and talking nonsense for an hour. Yes, sometimes I divert into nonsense. I understand this. But like having a having a point to what we're doing and you and I talked a lot about the things we hate in other comics and podcasting and stuff and I remember thinking this lady gets it. This lady. Oh, I like that. that. You also give me the direction because I also am self-aware enough to know that I am a comic who can just go into a a lane of nonsense really quickly and someone needs to bring me back. (laughs) I know you are no schmuck. I do appreciate your tangent. I usually, usually when there's a a tangent within the first like 30 seconds that we're recording, I'm like, (laughs) oh, this is going to be a good one. Um, I have another question for you. Yeah. If, out of Rose, Dorothy, Sophia, or Blanche, if you were a child, who would you want to be your babysitter and why? Oh, that is such a good question. I feel like, I feel like Blanche would be horrible. Like she would, she would certifiably be horrible. Like I would, I would be sold to somebody probably accidentally. <laughs> like, I mean, she would be horrible. So I'm going to, I'm going to, even though I love Blanche, um, and so much of my drag is Blanche. I'm going to put Blanche aside in this in this scenario. And I think Dorothy would. I want to say Dorothy would be fun, but I do not think she would be fun at all. And it would it would turn into a day of just sort of like I don't want to go to the library, Dorothy. Like no. So he would for sure take you to the library. Yeah. So no, I'm going to put her aside. So now it comes between Rose and Sophia and. I think most people in that scenario would choose Rose because she's delightful and childlike and fun and would be up for pretty much anything, basically, if you wanted to go play or go see a movie or she would do it with you probably. But I'm going to go with Sophia because I have always been someone who, even when I was dating and stuff, I would always choose the one that was like, that's going to be complicated or there's going to be a story in this or there's going to be something weird's going to come from this scenario of us together and i want i want to see what unfolds and i feel like sophia would at the very least we'd get into a situation with a nectarine or we'd yell or like something would happen that would make the day more memorable and i would obsess over it i love that you would totally get that experience with her and she would definitely cook for you and it would be amazing who'd you choose um, I would choose Rose just because mm. growing up, like when I was a kid, I would go over to my aunt's house. Her name was Nancy, but we called her nanny and I would go to nanny's house and she would do arts and crafts with us. And we would, she had like, we would make costumes and do plays and stuff at her oh, house. And dude, just that's like my hell, that is my actual hell. No, when I, when I was a kid that was, I loved it. So, you know, we know that Rose you know, likes to make, you know, funny faces out of desserts and she yeah. plays with clay and she has all these fun games for yeah. bachelorette parties that I'm sure she could tailor to children. So I would definitely See, no, say I, Rose. I, I had so much fun, like talking about television and shows and watching TV with older, with adults when I was a kid, because mm-hmm. I liked a lot of the adult stuff. And so I feel like Sophia would be like, let's watch a dirty movie. <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, yeah, she'd watch a dirty movie. A hundred percent. We know that she's done that. Um, want to watch Fatal okay. Attraction, kid? Come on. Exactly. And then I'll go out and I'll buy you a bunny. <laughs> but she would steal it. And that would be the story. Yes. She oh, would so good. take you to the pet store. She would steal you a bunny, bring it home, put on Fatal Attraction, scare the crap out of you. 
And she, and then she would be making a big pot of sauce and she'd yes. be like, why don't you look inside? Where's the bunny? You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Oh God. That's, that's exactly so what she would do. Wow. So, so now, so now that Dewey and B. Arthur have bonded over yeah. this, this button thing, and they're now in a, they, they've now entered into a beautiful friendship yeah. in the next scene. This and these one. scenes are short, guys. We're playing these full scenes. And yeah. this next scene, they're in, I think they're in Dewey's room in like a little tent that he made and they're eating a snack. This scene, this scene quietly broke me, I have to admit. Broke you in what way? Emotionally. Yeah. But, we'll, but, we'll, but we'll get to it. Okay, we'll play, play, let's play the scene. Play when I was playing with my imaginary friend, I wish hit me because he said, I shouldn't talk to myself. Well, Reese is a horrid little boy. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having an imaginary friend. I talk to my Harold all the time. You do? Of course. He's here right now. Would you like a cookie? Sure. No, no, no. He's over there. So, like, there's nothing inherently sad about this clip, but I do like... So I think it's implied that Harold... I, I, and I, when I had seen this episode a while ago, um, like years, years, years ago. And I always remembered that B. Arthur's imaginary friend in the scene was her dead husband, was her husband who had died. And, and Harold was his name. And that's what I always remember from this scene. And so I remember it being poignant. And now watching it again, there's no mention that it's her ex-husband or her, her, her you know, dead husband. But I, know. I, but, I mean, did you get that at all? I didn't. I that honestly didn't cross my mind. I just I either assumed that it was one of two. One, I for my my instinct and my just is that she was being genuine and that she's genuinely had an imaginary friend. Um and and, and only because she says no no he's over there when yeah. Dewey tries to give him a yeah. cookie. Yeah. And I was like, wow, they really are bonding. And I never, and I didn't think much more of it than that, but that's interesting that you I think, think it's had, her dead husband. I think I had read it somewhere or like maybe the writers mentioned it somewhere. I don't know, but I remember distinctly someone talking about that, that the intent of that being that it was her, her, you know, she was a widow and which would explain, wow. a lot of the, which would explain a lot of why she's there. You know what I mean? It would explain sort of why she's doing this in her life at this point in her life, why she's doing mm -hmm. this babysitting thing. And it and when you when you when you watch the scene with that in mind it changes the scene because interesting then you see b arthur who is genuine throughout she's not she doesn't break to make a scene deep she doesn't break to make it a deep moment of harold you know what i mean like it doesn't, it, there's mm -hmm. no emotion behind it it's very genuine but at the same time if you watch it thinking that oh that's her deceased husband then you're like wow she's just she's just really pulling from her life here. Like she's literally just pulling from her. She brings out her buttons. She brings up her, her, her imaginary friend slash dead husband, Harold. Like she's just pulling out all the things that she probably enjoys. And, and it's so sweet and it's so nice. And it's so like a, such a wonderful way for a person at her stage of life. If she is a widow who is for all intents and purposes, probably very lonely. And, and is, you know, we don't, I'm putting a lot on this character, obviously, but She's relating to something in this little kid and to see that person who seemed lonely at the beginning of the episode come alive because of this kid and they're both equals in their enjoyment of what they're doing. It's just so sweet to watch, you know? Wow. It, it's yeah. Just, it's really, if you, if you look at it through that lens, yeah. Like she's, she's, you know, filling a void yeah. in her life that, yes. that she has with this new friend. Because when she had that, when they had that button scene, it almost felt like, and again, I, I could be implying, I could be imparting like emotions on this on a character that, that, that this isn't warranted, but it almost felt like she was surprised that somebody liked something that she liked or disliked something that she disliked, that, that someone had the same reaction to her. And mm -hmm. again, that as a viewer tells you, she hasn't had a lot of that in, in recent years at least. And it's a joy. It brings out a joy in her that someone is that. is finally meeting her where she's at, and it's a uh, it, it makes the scene. I don't know. It makes you watch it differently. I think if you if you have that in mind. Yeah, I think that's yeah. I think that's such a sweet way of looking at it. Um, 
And I mean, by the next scene, unfortunately, we can't play it because there's a music track. And that's yeah. why we're just going to tell you guys. It also would just, be just music. There's no dialogue in the scene. There's no dialogue. Exactly. But yeah. so in the next scene, they are Dewey and B. Arthur are straight up singing and dancing to the song Fernando by yeah. ABBA yeah. from Mamma Mia. And yes. And at, like, it's so beautiful the, this friendship <laughs> so absurd that is and literally so blossoming through yes. song and dance and it's it's so beautiful like the i'm getting this from thinking about it the nutella or whatever it was and just rubs the mustache on on little dewey and mm -hmm. then takes the bucket of popcorn that they like she likely made for them to snack on in playtime and in, in the tent mm -hmm. and gives it to him and he just very delicately dumps it on the ground and uses it as a as a, as drum. a drum and it's just it's, it's, it's so perfect. beautiful it's perfect it's perfect that's the only way to describe it so yeah. in it, while we were watching this scene i lost my mind a little bit because mm. all of the golden girls easter eggs came together oh. right Here's where I lost my mind, right? They're dancing to a song called Fernando, yes. AKA Rose's Bear. And her name, B. Arthur's name is Mrs. White, AKA Betty White. <laughs> and while they're dancing, she puts that chocolate mustache on his face and he hands her a rose, AKA Rose Nyland. Mm. Her imaginary friend is Harold, AKA Harold, Harold Gould, who played Miles Weber, AKA Nick Carbone, AKA Samuel Plankmaker, AKA Rose's <laughs> One True Love, even though he sucks. Like, are you kidding me? There were copper, there were copper things hanging on the walls, like the yeah. copper dick yeah. in the kitchen on Richmond Street in Miami. There were Golden Girls fucking Easter eggs what? all up in this episode. What if? Because it was there, incredible. There are so many Rose Nyland slash Betty White inferences in, in their actions in this scene. What if this was B. Arthur's way of saying the feud is over? The feud <gasps> has ended. I am moving on. Wow. I mean, am I wrong? Exactly. This this is right up there with Alaska's theory about Stan really being dead in that episode of the Golden Palace. We need to go back and watch that one and do a whole true crime one about that. Uh, oh, yeah, no, I mean, I love that. God. I love those. I did notice when her name was Mrs. White, I was like, oh, that's cute. That's cute. Like that's, that's, that is cute. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So, wow. okay. So then I think we need to break the bad news, which is <sighs> they're dancing and it's beautiful. And then the scene, suddenly there's a quick cut and we see an ambulance pulling out of the driveway and little Dewey, Dewey is there waving goodbye. Mm -hmm. And now it's turned into don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Yes. My um, first thought when that's, when that happened, I will admit, I, my first thought was, oh, I, I thought, I thought it would have been funnier if, if like we see her fall or something, but then in my imagination or in my mind, I'm like, B. Arthur was probably like, oh, I'm not falling. I'm not dying. I'm not doing any of those things. You will do a quick cut to an ambulance and that will be the day's shoot. No, I think it was written that way. Yeah, I think sure. I, I do think it was written that way. Yeah. Um, but also, and I don't, again, cause I never watched the show, which I, I'm gonna watch it now. Cause obviously it's amazing, but so after the ambulance pulls away, Dewey chases a red balloon down the street and yeah. then he ends up like in Chinatown or something. And yeah, he's... and then it goes into the it's so it it's this is the season finale, and then it goes into obviously season two, episode one, where they're the family's leaving the water park and got it. Uh, and then Dewey is on his own adventure. So he gets some adult picks him up and he's a really annoying kid in a car who can only sing like A B C D. A, B, C, D, and he can't get past D That's and he just so keeps funny. singing A, B, C, D. And then she's like, E, it's E. And he's like, I know, A, B, C, D. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, so it was like a yeah. proper cliffhanger. Yes, yeah. Um. Oh my gosh. Uh, but the balloon thing I thought was interesting because this came out in 2000, I think, or 2001. 2000. And what came out that right that year before? American, American Beauty. Beauty. I'm just saying. <laughs> 
connections well he was when he got to chinatown he was he was chasing a bag and i yeah. was like oh yeah so um, there's you know there's something there um no this i love b arthur i mean we've said it many times but b arthur was absolutely perfect in this episode and it is absolutely perfect it and but you're right if somebody just took only their episodes their scenes together and 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 you watched it I'm going to do that for you. I have the ability to do that. I'm going to do that for you to see if this actually turns into like a short film. That's amazing. I'm going to do Well, that. yeah, you'll need to do like transitions between the scenes. So you'll have to do like a fade to black and then oh, come back out worry. of it. I but got you. I got you. I, I, yeah, like it seriously, it would have been it was such, it was such a beautiful short film. And that was only one third of the television episode, which yeah. I think just goes to show again, having only seen this one episode of the show, and, you know, again, and I'm so sorry, I did fast forward through those Danny Masterson scenes. Danny Masterson, Chris Masterson, one of the Masterson brothers. Um, <laughs> I fast forwarded through all the military academy scenes because I was very tired and not interested. But, but, and I'm so sorry to anybody. Um, and, and I do think the show is really good. But I thought the water park um, story was amazing and so funny and so well acted and well written. And it's like, wow, if this if this is what they can accomplish in one episode of television, yeah. I, I really do need to watch this show um, because yeah. yeah, one third of an episode I think could have won an Oscar as a short film and and that's TV is incredibly hard to write and make. And um, I really appreciated it. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good series. I mean, it didn't, I think in the last few years it kind of faltered, but like it had some amazing guest star, Cloris Leachman. I mean, she was, iconic in this in this series so like yeah there's a lot there's a lot to malcolm in the middle yeah this was a really fun watch it was it was just fun it was a good good one i wonder what we're gonna do next i don't know thank you to everybody who recommended this one um we do a golden takeaway yeah let's take a break and then we'll do a good old gt gold gt are back with our golden takeaways which is a nugget of truth or inspiration that you can apply to your life or the lives of our listeners carrie what's your gt this week my gt is um i have a question for you and oh. a question for the fans i'd like to pose it to everybody maybe mm. we can do it as a twitter poll or something if i remember to do a twitter poll but <laughs> i have to ask which b arthur dancing is the best dancing Oh. Is it this scene with Fernando? Mm. Is it B. Arthur doing the Ur- 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 Urkel with yeah. Steve Urkel? Yeah. Um, or is it the night of the dance competition oh. where she says, Maestro, <laughs> play That's... something a little more like high octane? Like which which those of are, the three is the best? Very difficult choices. I will I'll admit my choice right now. And that is going to be the Urkel dance because that 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 actually changed my life. Like, I think after I watched that, I was like, I know my direction. I know where I need to go. Like, I think it just solidified everything for me. I that moment I watched it live and it it. Yeah, I was impacted by that. Big time. Wow. OK, yeah. so that's what you think. is but, the best. but you guys let us know we'll, we if we remember, we'll post a Twitter poll. But you can let us know in the Instagram comments as well. Which one of those three choices? The Urkel, Malcolm in the Middle Dance, or something with a little high octane, Maestro. <laughs> Maestro. Maestro. Which one is your favorite? I love that. Um, ah, man. What's yours? Yeah, I'm thinking. I'm, I posed the question without myself knowing the answer. Wow. Um, I think a little more high octane. That's I, a pretty good one. Just she the, really revs her, up. Her like penguin dance is just so good. It's you know what I mean? It's not good. supposed to be a penguin dance, but it looks like a penguin dance. It does. It looks incredible. a little bit like when Dick Van Dyke, a, yes. a, a.k.a. her clown boyfriend yes. slash lawyer, um, yeah. when he was doing the penguin dance and Mary Poppins. Yeah. Um, so good. Yeah. What's your golden takeaway? My golden takeaway is I think more people should find musical moments to bond to. And I wanted to do a flashback to one of our moments that you probably don't even remember, but I remember it. Um, we were driving back from something. I forget what we were doing. 
we did something together and we were driving back and a share song came on in the car or you put it on or i don't know what happened but it was some share duet it wasn't i got you babe and and we like fully felt that moment like it was Was it a ballad yes it was I bet I know. I bet it was after all. Yes, I think after all. Yes, that's it, that's it. That's it. Yes, after, after all. After all, the stars and stars. Yeah, fully went into it. You did. I did share. You did the other dude that I don't care about because I only care about share. And like we went into it hard. And that was reminiscent of the Malcolm in the Middle scene, albeit we were in a car and you were driving and I was the passenger gesticulating wildly. And, you know, God bless us. Nobody died. Nobody died. I remember we were driving down um, Highland and that song came. It was on high. Yeah, it was in Highland. We had just left Koreatown and we were going up Highland. I think you were taking me home. And yeah, we were singing. After I that. wish I remember where we were going. I, I kind of remember singing the song. I together. think we were coming back from something. I don't think we were going anywhere at that point. I think I feel like we were coming. Maybe it was with the episode we recorded with Jim Clemente and we were driving back from his place, which was, you know, well, I won't say where it is. And we were driving in the direction of my home you were driving mm-hmm. me to drop pick drop me off or something i don't know i forget i do remember yeah i think we did carpool over there yeah yeah but we sang that after all song and that reminded me of fernando scene dancing with b arthur oh that's so song. nice and i think more people should have those moments so find the song that moves you and you know what just go with it just start going michael can tell you Nothing stops me from looking ridiculous getting into a song when I need to. Nothing. To to his, you know, chagrin often, nothing will stop me. Even in public, it's kind of embarrassing. No, I think you should embrace it. I mean, I do. I literally do. I just, Mm -hmm. you know, I I feel bad for the others that that don't. But hey, you know, my party. Yeah, it's your party. I love you for being you. Oh my gosh, this episode was so much fun. Uh, Like I said before, thank you to everyone who recommended that we should we watch this amazing B. Arthur performance. And for our next Beyond Golden Girls, you know, keep giving us suggestions. What projects do you want to see us cover that the women did following the Golden Girls? Oh goodness. Fun. Oh my God. Yeah, guys. So we are a part of the Hoo-ha-ha Network and you can follow them because they're fantastic and they're doing great things. Lots of great podcasts there. And if you want to follow us on the social medias worlds, if you will, you can follow us at Golden Girls Pod on Twitter, Out on the Lanai Official on Instagram and Golden Girls Pod on Facebook. And I I'm H. Allen Scott and Sadie Pines on everything. And I am Squidzy on Instagram and Squid Eat Squid on Twitter. And if you all have a second and you want to rate and review us wherever you get your podcast, that would be absolutely amazing. And thank you so much for listening today. We love you all. We do. And remember, as, as always, stay, stay golden. golden.